0: a good afternoon, good evening to you, glad to be with you. I want to start off by saying that I have <clears throat> made a slight change in our miracles teaching. I think a couple of you had asked last week, what would we be covering, and I told you, I've got my collection of things, but the more I thought about it, I thought, I, I want to do this different. I want to do this in chronological order. And it was designed, this set of lessons that I had here was designed to be sort of grouped in different orders. And so there was, for a better way of saying it, there was miracles of nature, and then there was miracles of physical healing. We talked about all that on the initial date. But I thought, I think that it would work better if we look at these in order in which they happened. Because I think sometimes when you look at things chronologically, you can see a build up as it goes. It can, you can help to understand. And, and what might happen, I'm a little bit worried about, is if we cover one and then we cover a different variety, and we'll say, wait a minute, I thought they had already done that. And then now, so I think it'll work better. So it worked out pretty good. The first one that we did was the first one that Jesus did, the, the, the way Camp. Last week, what did we talk about? fishes right less well, the third one so we're gonna jump in to the second one uh, here tonight so you can just suspend your disbelief from just act like last week didn't happen until about 730 tonight and then it'll all be good and you can like come back to life with that and we'll all it'll all work out uh, for you uh pretty well right there we are going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 this evening, and we're going to be talking about the nobleman's son. Now, sometimes he's called the official, the officer, uh, any number of uh, different terms that could be used there, sort of in the translation uh, as to what it would be. But we're in John, the fourth chapter, and we'll be looking at verses 46 through 54. We'll do as uh, we've done a little introduction, we'll read from that. Here in a few moments. Um, I think we've got a couple other readings that we'll be looking at uh, as well. And then we'll talk about, ask some questions, and try to go home with a few things uh, tonight as well. So, we're talking about the miracles of Jesus. Tonight is our third lesson. I guess I should have called it lesson 2B or something like that. However, it works. But anyway, uh, the reading that we did is not anything for what we're talking about. So, what Dad read there a little bit ago. It's not really what we're talking about, but it did show that Jesus had been moving. And I think that's the goal for what I want us to start out with. Because the first one, Jesus had attended the marriage there at Cana of Galilee, and he turned the water into wine. And then we read then that he went to Capernaum, and then uh, after that he went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, which was a common uh, thing for people to have to go to. Here's a map showing this. I don't know if it'll show up real well for you. But I knew the question was gonna come up, and so I thought I'm gonna look up the distance between these two places, or these different places. Now I will say this, this is a Google Maps today, all right? So this is most likely, if I'm in a car at one, I'm gonna to get to the other. But I suspect that the distance isn't gonna to be too much different because like, even like here, most of our roads were animal paths and we just sort of paved over them uh, and show it. But this shows you Jesus moving, but I want you to get a concept in your head of the distance, not only that he was moving, we think about in a religious sense, but also just in a general, how far it was to go from point A to point B and think about how you would have made that trip. So if we look at this to start with, they were in, uh, as you can see here, Nazareth, where Jesus. Uh, was from, you got the, t- the cane over the wedding had been over to Capernaum. That's 16 and a half miles. All right. So what's 16 and a half miles from here? What would that be? Halfway to Somerset. Halfway to Somerset. Oh, it feels like it's four billion miles from here to Somerset. So, Broadhead, maybe. That's, that's probably about right. Headed, headed that way. So just think about walking from here to Broadhead. And not only that, for us walking, we're going to walk out here on 27 and then on 150 and it's going to be a pretty good wide road. There's going to be a large uh, shoulder on the side. It would be relatively safe for us to be able to make that kind of trip, right? But that's how far Jesus went. Now that's to Capernaum. Now if you come down into Jerusalem, that's 79 miles. What's 79 miles from here? Is that Louisville? That Louisville from here to Louisville, something like that.
1: Back in those days they considered people uh, people walk three miles a, uh, in an hour. Right. Okay. So you can kind of get a thing there. In six hours you could walk that Because they're in good shape. These people are in good shape. Right.
2: Uh, not like us, but they're in good shape we're used to walking. If they if they chose to walk sure. To be, you, know, you yeah. know, Sure. If you took a horse the first one you'd get there in half a day. Right. The next one about three days. But these are
0: not you know, we we would, if if somebody said tonight, I need you to take me to Broadhead, we'd all probably sign up for that. We'll, we'll be there, you know, we'll be there in twenty minutes and we'll be back. even most of us, we could probably say, "Would you? How is it very far to Louisville?" Well, I don't maybe want to go to Louisville, but it's not that far to get up there. And back. Josh, you're not allowed to answer any of those questions. <laughs> right. This is not this is irrelevant to you and your dad and those kinds of questions. Truthfully, Ben, it's probably for you as well. You, Cover a lot of these sort of mileages uh, on yours as well. But I wanted to show you this because we read there uh that he had been sort of moving about in these areas. And so I wanted you to get a sense of where this was. Let's turn back though to John chapter 2 uh to start with. Because after he had done all this, this is where we see that this movement. So you can see it sort of scripturally here as well. John 2. This is verses 12, verse 12 through 17. Jill, do you care to read that? Is that the same on the board? Yes, yes. After this, he
2: went down to Capernaum, feeding his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem.
0: And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers
2: doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple. With the sheep and oxen and poured out the changers' money, and overturned the tables.
0: And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away, do not make my father's house a house
2: of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal,
0: for your house has so we've got a lot of movement here going on because we've looked on our map this is after, right after the marriage of Cana and they go, he goes to Capernaum and says that he did been stay uh, very long and he goes down to Jerusalem uh, and the first thing that we see at least that comes in contact here is the story that we're probably all familiar with why were there oxen and sheep and doves why were these animals at the temple so say it again <laughs> To be bought for sacrifice. You were required to make these kinds of sacrifices. And you could obviously keep these animals at home. But for a lot of people in their living condition. It might not have made sense. They had a bunch of sheep in the house or whatever. And so you had the ability to make these purchases. Before you got there. And so it's almost like stopping to get a present at the store. On the way to the birthday party. You know you can grab it along the way. Right there. But the thing is. When you get to the temple. And you've got to make this. You know, offering well, you've got to have that animal. So, what's the charge on that animal going to be? Probably it's probably a little higher, right? So, let's just make up a number. Let's say it normally would cost five dollars. Well, why are they going to charge you that? They might charge you ten, or they might charge you twenty, or whatever. Why can they do that?
2: Because you need it. You got to have. Well, not only that, but the priest is responsible to inspect your animal. So, even if you brought your animal. The racket they was running off well, that doesn't pass. Yep. You have to buy one of these, it does pass. Now you take
0: yours and take it back here and sell it to the next guy. Yeah. But they was running the racket on. So what we see here then is this this doesn't really set well with Jesus. Probably didn't set well with a lot of people, but people didn't really have a choice on this. They had to do it. So what then does Jesus say to them? He says, What? In the red in there. Take these things and Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise, the New King James Bible says right there. And so he's frustrated that the people's sacrifice, what's their main focus when they're making the sacrifice? Is it the sacrifice? No, it's getting, maybe getting the best deal for what you're going to offer. Or it might be making a little money, as Ben said there on the side, running that racket. On what, nobody's heart seems to be in the right place in this. And so, how does Jesus respond? Clearly was angry. We read there he said he made a whip of cords, drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, poured out the change of money and overturned the tables. This is a rare case that we see Jesus angry. If I were to say, or if you were to read in the newspaper that somebody did that sentence right there in a the place of business you said say that person was really mad right there. Let's go cool. a little further. John 2 verses
1: 18. i always too, a lot of people past Jesus' as wimpy and scared and timid. He wasn't any of those things. He was in the prime of his life at 30 years old, and he was strong and he was capable, and uh, he certainly was angry here. And he he was a threat. Because you know, this list somebody turn the table over, and but it looked to me like they scattered. Yeah.
0: Dumped the money out as well. He's always always His anger was always a righteous thing. He was never angry at the way
1: people did him right. or about his issues. The only time you see him angry mentioned in the Bible... It's about
0: people being taken advantage of, people doing wrong, right, you So let's go a little bit further because it's not really the main <clears throat> point of it, but just to show sort of what was happening uh, in the uh, in the process. Let's still do you care to read John two, eighteen to twenty five. To man he knew what was in man. Thank you very much. And so they said, after he sort of made this whole <clears throat> scene here, uh, they said, what do you plan to show us? Or what time do you uh, show us since you do these things? And he said, destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, based on what you have literally just seen... Why do you think the people that heard him say that thought he was talking about the physical structure? Yeah. I mean, he's literally borderline destroying the temple right there, tearing up you know, the stuff, whatever it might be. But when he said that, destroy this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. And their first response, the obvious response is what? It took 46 years to build this. I highly doubt we can get this done in a weekend, right? It's what we're sort of reading uh, from that there. But he said, you know, that, that that's not what he was talking about. He goes on to Passover and all of that. But I just want to show you, this is what was happening sort of in the buildup to what we're going to be studying tonight. Okay? Any thoughts on that? Because, again, that's not the main point of our, t- our discussion. But if you want to throw I'm it just in just the was
2: well, never seen him as so they're not going to take anything he says and add any scripture or prophecy to it. And it's also
0: fair to say, though, that we're pretty early in the Jesus story right here, too. So, you know, it, this this is you know, a lot of people maybe at this point are saying, "I don't know who this is." I'm sure the wet water wine story had made its way around. We saw that last week with Peter, you know, with the disciples. But remember, we're not actually there because I'm jumping back in, Josh.
2: And you think it's fair to say, too, since it's in the beginning, you know, when Moses went to Pharaoh and he done his miracles, his magicians done the same thing. Some of these miracles that he's doing, you think that maybe they're thinking again, the no, this might just be some magic tricks at first. Well, what did the what did the
0: master of ceremonies at the wedding say? He said, well, you, you brought all the good wine out later. There's probably somebody that said, ah, oh, you know, they probably found some out in the back room. Right. You know, oh, they forgot to set that out. We don't, there's only one thing that's happened, really, the time. So it's possible that, you know, the speculation would have been easier to have come by at that point, Ben. That's what they're asking. they so look, if you're really a
1: prophet, God, then show us proof. Show us, show us a miracle all right. that, that you're the prophet, that you're okay to do this. Right. Yes. I like that last sentence. That's or center center, and I don't know that there are most for Jesus did not commit himself to them because of you all Me, Jesus did not need their adulation. Right. He's not, you know, we, you see sometimes people that he gets a stupid a claim and boy, they just, oh, you're right, I am the greatest. And uh, they just feast upon it. Jesus did not need their adulation
0: because he knows a lot of it was fact. Well, let's go to John chapter 4 and we'll see that he almost word for word made that same statement. Here in Jerusalem, so Jesus passes through Samaria. We don't spend a lot of time talking about this, but that's where he encounters the woman at the well. You probably know that story at the first part of John chapter four, and it continues on as we can see here, arriving at Cana, so we're kind of back to where we started from, where a nobleman came to him asking that he heal his son. Now when we say nobleman. What does that really mean? Well, it's a little bit unclear what it means here, but it's likely some connection to the king in some way. This is somebody who would have known somebody is the way we would maybe use that term here today. Might have been a relative of Herod Equis who was the uh, king of the or who ruled Galilee at the time. Could have been an officer in the court. Doesn't really matter, but it does take us, we know that this is somebody who probably ranks pretty high. And the assumption here to me would be somebody that would have had connections to have tried to heal this kid. You know, if you're a dirt poor and had nothing, you probably couldn't. But somebody here who knows the king make some way to be able to get this uh to get this fixed. He'd come from Capernaum Day's journey in order to see, or seek, I should say, you know, seek the help of Jesus right there. And so this man uh, has come for him. This is the remnants uh, of uh, this is uh I think this is Capernaum. I don't know why I've drawing a blank right here, but this is uh, this is where Jesus would have uh, would have been, and then healing the son of an officer Artistic work here. This is this is a new one, 1752. This is a modern compared to what we've been looking at the last few days. But let's look at John chapter four right here and see kind of how this story plays out. John chapter four, verses 46 through 50. Now, Vane, you care to read that one? come back to that in a second, but let's go a little bit further. Will, do you care to read John 4, 51 through 54? And as he was now going down, his
1: servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus told him your son lives and he himself believed and in his whole in his ha- household this again is the second sign Jesus
0: did when he had came out of Judea into Galilee All right. so we'll talk about a few things here to think about a few things here to consider because there's several things going on here within this story First of all, let's just start from the very beginning. Verses 46 and 47. Why did this man come to Jesus in the first place? His son was dying. And clearly needed some kind of help some way to come to him. Now, why come to
1: Jesus? He's heard about Jesus.
0: Okay. So we're back in Cana, where this at all had originated, where it had taken place. And so... I thought I was better, but today I felt like I have coughed more today than I have in a month. So I don't know. Not know what's about to happen. Talking too much, I guess. So he's clearly heard, and it seems likely that that marriage wedding at Cana story has probably made its way around. And you can see this guy saying, "In my word," I'm kind of thinking like, well, if he can drink water, wine. Maybe he can heal my son. You know that they don't necessarily go together, but I mean it's as good as anything else, right? So he came to Jesus in hopes of healing his son. Now, how sick was the son? At the point of death. But verse forty-seven says that he was at the point of death. So you take that for what it means. But I don't. It doesn't seem like he has too long. You know, too, too long to live. I'm uh, just guessing. How many efforts do you think have been made to sort of save or help or? Heal himself. So probably several. And probably over a period of time, if we're just yes, I mean, we're, those are assumptions. But if he's at the point of death and he's going to talk to Jesus, and we don't really know much about this guy, we can sort of <laughs> take a few things, glean a few things, but it's almost like this is probably the last chance. This is probably the last chance for this young man. And so what did uh, Another typo That was terrible So what did Jesus tell the nobleman Verse 48 I want everybody to look at verse 48 right there What did Jesus tell the nobleman So I, I don't know how you want to read this But to, how do you interpret what Jesus said right there Unless you see the signs and wonders You will not believe How do you interpret that verse Okay. think so. Okay. Okay. Well, that's the, what I was really thinking of, because if you go back to John chapter 2... Verses 24 and 25, he didn't commit himself because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify for he knew what... He knew that people, they kind of like to see the show a little bit, right? They kind of like to see what happens. And it seems like, I, I think that you're right then. I think that there was, you know, the, I mean, this guy's far from a Christian, you know, or far from a follower of Jesus at the time. But Jesus seems a little bit frustrated here with this. Like, well, I've done one, you know, we did the water one, now we'll see something else, maybe just a little
2: But can you hardly blame them, though? I mean, in the sense you got Jesus; he's new on the scene. He's got he's got to prove himself somehow to mm-hmm. the people that he is. Who he's right. Being. So, in some aspects, can you blame not, not blame, I mean, can you blame the people for not wanting to see more proof? Well, sure, sure. I,
0: I I think that that's a uh, fairly fair uh, a fair statement to say. Now, in verse forty nine, then though, what does the nobleman then ask again? John four and verse forty nine. Sir, come down before my child dies. And there's a sense of urgency in this second question, it's almost a begging. It is almost a pleading that the first time it might have been like, oh, you know, this is, you know, you might have interpreted, but this is a serious question that's being asked right here. He says, come down uh, again before my son dies. Now, how does Jesus answer him then? So Jesus said, go, but basically go home. Your son lives, and what does this nobleman do? So, whatever faith there was, whenever he first appears, it appears to have grown some in this interaction, right? It appears to, it was worthy of sort of—I don't want to call what Jesus said a chastisement, but it was worthy of sort of hearing this chastisement, maybe, and then yet again asking one more time, saying. Almost, my son is going to die. And so he goes on his way. Well, you can't ask a third time, right? He's already been told. So he's going to go on his way. Now we'll come back to that here in just a couple moments. As he's going home, who does this nobleman run into? His servants. His servants. And what do they say? They come out and they say, well, your son... Excuse me. They come out and say that your son lives. Now, this would have been great news, right? This would have been great. But whenever he's coming down the road and he sees these servants, it's kind of a one or the other response, right? You're either going to hear one thing. What what are your two options that you're going to hear probably when you're coming down the road and you see the servants coming toward you? He's He's either alive or dead. All right. If he's dead, well, that's what we expected. And this guy, wasn't, he couldn't heal nobody. Or if it's, he's alive, then what's that going to do to his faith in Jesus that was already starting to grow? Make him it's going to make him believe even more. So it's kind of a, it's a black and white answer right here. It's either going to be a yes or a no. So the guy asks an important question here. He doesn't just accept, oh, he's better. But he said, "When we read in verse fifty-two, what did he ask his servants?" What time? <laughs> now, this is probably a question that we've all asked. We've known people who have passed away, and for some reason, I don't know why, but one of the questions we'll say is, "What, what time was?" It? They write that down on the death certificate, right? And they don't say two o'clock or three o'clock, but if it's two fifty-one. They write down 251. Right, that's meticulous record keeping. I don't know why we do it, but we do it. But he asks the same question right here. He says, when did he get that? I mean, effectively what he's saying. And they responded with what? The they responded in the Senate Now, you can see the wheels turning in his head there, right? It's like, I don't know, okay. He so says, we're looking at our watch. They what was I doing? Yesterday, at this time, or whenever this happened. So what does the nobleman know then, verse 53? Puzzle pieces kind of came together here, right? It's like, wait a minute now. I was asking at the seventh hour, and y'all were telling me that he was healed in the seventh hour. One plus one equals one. You can kind of see it. It all sort of makes sense. To this guy at this point. Now, I want you to think for a second. I want you to put yourself in the man's shoes. What's going through your head when you're doing that math with your watch on these couple of questions? That sure, it was Jesus. I think so. That's a lot clearer than it may have been even, you know, just a few minutes earlier. <clears throat> what else is going through your head at that time?
2: He says he is. He's right. Happy, you know.
0: it, can, it may not confirm it to everybody else, but it's still so it confirmed it to him. And the man when he left,
1: he'd been gone at least two days. That's you know, a day's journey, uh-huh. and a day's journey back. He'd been gone two days, and probably mean he saw his son the prescription. When, when he, he left. Uh-huh. I've never seen my boy alive. again. Right. He's not. Right. This is my last hope. And he gets to Jesus and he begs Jesus to heal him. And uh, he do not know what the answer is. Right. And so he's overcome with joy, certainly. Finds out the boys live and then boy, just the top, the cherry on the top of it. Wow. Right. Jesus is reaching. There's no i I might have
0: some doubt before, and there ain't no doubt that. Right. Jesus healed that baby. So, now we, we talk about like the effect of miracles. And, and let's go back a couple of weeks. What was the purpose of miracles? What was the, what was the goal? There was a couple of things. To prove. I, it to prove Jesus was who he was, to do what was him. To help make people believe, and what else? Start with that. And you did a good
1: thing. I mean, the miracles weren't though.
0: Yeah, it was a way to increase their faith going forward uh, as well. Now let's go to verse fifty-three. What effect does this miracle have by the writing in verse fifty-three? So and he so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, "Your son lives." So like you said, the math makes sense. It all adds up. This matches this time period, and he to, and he himself believed, and his whole household as well. Because I don't know what it would have been like there at the house with the kid who's been sick seemingly forever, and then all I say, kid, I don't know how old was, with the son, but the son who's been sick and now he's better. But it seems like if you had been in their position, let's think about that for a minute. What if you had been at the house in the seventh hour? What's going through your mind? Yeah, he got it. Well, you, you 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 can't believe it because you've got to talk yeah. to the father. What if you're at the house the seventh hour when this man, when this son was healed?
1: Well, you notice know the man went to find you. Right. So so you might be able to put two or two together well because you don't give up hope. Right. right. That's I, all we got. I, I think you would say, wow, I just witnessed a mirror. Right. This boy is fine. He was sick as a dog, he's near that, and now he his heart. He's fine. He's completely well. Because he was. He's completely well. And that just don't happen. People come out of sicknesses gradually. Mm-hmm. They start getting a little stronger need a little bit more moving a
0: little bit more. This kid was on, he was on his death. So with that being sort of maybe what you're thinking, does that make the back half of verse 53 make more sense? That it said, he believed, but also who? His whole household. right there. And so it's almost like two parts of the
2: story converge, and now everybody's believing as a result. But I'm sure whenever he got home, he said, you know, that happened then, so I did meet Jesus,
1: and Jesus said he was healed, so... You know they had some more conversation there, so I agree. Yeah. yeah. Daddy was in the hospital one time he was in cardiac arrest in 1993 May, for 23 hours. And I spent the night with him after he kind of come out of the cardiac arrest. And I slept on the floor and one of my contacts came out. I couldn't see nothing the next day, you know, when I woke up, with have a lysis. And uh so Daddy gets up and he scratched. He slept about three hours after he came out of the cardiac and gets up. And the doctor came in, and the doctor just about fell over backwards. He said, Jess, I never expected to see you live And Daddy was fine for that moment. Right. And he lived six more months. Right. But uh, and it was fascinating. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm laying down the floor out, out in the hallway, and, and I'm thinking, I'll never see Daddy again. You know? right. And uh, i go in every hour, and would go in, and he just lay there, just the corpse. Right. And, uh, but it's... it's, it's 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 almost a miracle. That wasn't a miracle, but it's... it's Well, it kind of made you question probably what you're seeing because he
0: clearly did not jive with what you had seen when you went to bed. This question might should have been at the beginning. We already asked it. But this is the second sign that Jesus has done in Cana. Uh, What have been the first? The water and the wine. So what do you think is happening to Jesus' reputation based on these two things? The water line story, like you said, that you you could maybe you could maybe fake that one a little bit, right? You could maybe but this one could not be. But now you've almost got just a second ago you saw two people, two groups of people come together. Now you've got people who wrote the letter, people who knew this boy who was and now it's all sort of merging together. And, and you take the noble he's got some
2: status, he's prominent. So if he's out telling people they're more out to listen to him tell About this guy that done this to his son versus just an everyday Joe Smaller. Right.
0: I Definitely.
1: Act like that nowadays for some reason when a celebrity says something, everybody oh, it must be true. Right. Right. Real, it,
0: well, was. right.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're I'm right. Sure I'm not sure it's the same with the nobleman. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You're exactly right.
1: No, good. Well, the nobleman, he believes some what? He wouldn't
2: have gone and asked. And then when he tells him to go home, you know, your son will be okay. From what we read here, he he believed, you know, it was
1: like then, well, I think he had a little bit more faith. And then of course, once he gets down to it, then he has all the faith that he needs then. But the, his faith was growing with each each step that he took. Well,
0: that's a really good comment that matches with exactly what I was about to say <laughs> right there. But. Some things for us to leave with. Well, first of all, a little faith can go a long way, right? It's hard for us to measure how much faith this man had, but we know he had more after it was over than he did at the start, right? We can see that for sure. He must have had some kind of faith to have went to Jesus. Like you said a second ago, Ben, uh, they're probably waiting at home, curious how it's going to play out. But he thought, well, this, this is my last best shot. We'll go give it a chance and see what it is. But... We see this sort of emphasized link between the miracles and faith. Now, if the goal of miracles was to strengthen faith in Christ, then Jesus did that with this guy, right? He did it not only with that, but with his whole family uh, as well. But, Ben, you, you said something really good right there. Can our faith go into the wrong object? It absolutely can Sometimes our faith can be strong, but it's in something that doesn't work for this. Unfortunately for some people, sometimes when our faith is in something that's not going to work, we sort of pull back when we realize it doesn't work. And, and we question not just whatever our faith was in, but in faith in sort of anything as a result sometimes. So we get that a little mixed up just a little bit. But. It's like Jesus when he did the
1: healings, he would do them different ways of Maybe spit mud and on people's eyes. Well, there's something special about the mud. Right. And their faith be put in
0: right. That's a really good comment, Ben. I guess we could say that right here. <laughs> I gotta quit sending my information out to you all. Y'all, 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 are, y'all are catching it too much. But God isn't limited to how and when he can heal, just as Jesus was, right? The distance between Capernaum and Cana is about 20 miles. It's 16 and a half miles, like we said. That's a long way. But how did Jesus heal this young man? From he, he from a distance. He spoke the word. He, he, he said, He told the man, Go home. You know your, your son is going to be fine. Now, I suspect that the nobleman probably went home thinking that his son was going to be a little bit better. You know, or maybe like, oh, well, now he's setting up in the bed. He's been laying down forever, or whatever we might think about it. But the cure here was immediate and it was complete. We see that always in these miracles that Jesus does. They're not like a gradual, you will be healed eventually over time, or over the way it'll be. But we also see what Jesus said there, or what Ben said there a minute ago, Jesus doesn't really have any set method for performing these miracles. Think about every miracle that you know of in the Bible. How many of them were the same? Pretty rare, right? It was pretty rare. And you know, sometimes he said, bring that person to me. We see that from time to time. Other times, heals them without seeing them at all. He could heal by word, but sometimes it was by touch, right? But it wasn't always by touch. Sometimes it was here by word. Sometimes he asked a lot of questions, but sometimes he didn't do anything. Heal, right? And so every method is different. Now, why
2: does that matter? Because, like what Ben said
0: Mango, if he does it the same way every time, We are going to start thinking, they're going to put their faith in the wrong thing. Right? Uh-huh. The object rather than the action, right? Jerango. So- So it's not the miracle. What was it? It was the faith, the belief in Jesus. The miracle could be executed in whatever way needed to be executed at that time. You know, we talked last week about the fishes. Well, that one doesn't make sense unless it's in that setting, right? You need something to match with what it was. But it had nothing to do with the net, the weight. It didn't have anything to do with casting it this way or that way but it had everything to do with the faith that was there. So our third lesson to leave with is faith, but pass it on. What if he went home and bottled up his own faith? Well, there's, there's no, no... When Jesus told him, he said, go home, your son is healed. He never... We don't see him doubt any. The guy just leaves. He goes right there doesn't seem like that we don't read anything here about any kind of even like emotional reaction from the guy like falling down or hugging or we don't read any of that right there he didn't really ask jesus okay so when i get home you know i need to put a wet cloth on his head or we don't see any of that right He just goes on home. He starts the 16 and a half mile journey back. He accepted the word that Jesus said that your son is healed. And and he he took it with him. But when he goes home, it has something of a double effect, right? Because the miracles healed the child. But what was the long-term success of what happened here? His his family he and his entire family saw what Jesus was teaching and their faith was grown from that as well. So in order for us to grow in faith, we got to first of all believe what Jesus is teaching, right? That's going to be our starting point right there. But then we can't just bottle that up, but we got to do what with it? Do you think there was anybody that this guy talked to after the fact and said, Jesus healed by a son. Do you think there was anybody who didn't believe him? No, I'm sure.
2: Of course. Even the apostles struggled with it now. We see that with Thomas. You know, Thomas seen all these miracles, He's praising all of them. And still, he had his doubts. Mm-hmm. Was Jesus is dead. He must not have been that after all. He didn't fully believe he seen Jesus raised the praise him.
0: For us to pass something, though, that's a two-way thing, right? To it, we, we pass it, they have to accept it. Think about you know, a football game. If you throw the ball, somebody else has to catch it. But if they don't catch it, you steal from it, right? So when we say, faith, pass it on, we got to throw it out there. Right. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to catch it. Sometimes you may see somebody knocking down and they don't want to catch it. That's not our problem, right? Our responsibility is to do what? Take it, spread it, go with it. And that's what we need to take with us here as we go. Any other thoughts before we close up, shop? He
1: just came said that his goal was to seek and to save the lost. He never said it was to heal sick people. But the way that he healed sick people, that saved this family. I, I'm confident to he did because of what he did. I, I'm confident that so would never, ever forget that. you know? You're right. we'll be in heaven no matter what this world is because the miracle is that jesus has come and died for us and we can be in heaven and i don't care how stupid we ever have done whatever incapable we are we can go to heaven that's that's all the matter
0: any others before we go
1: on yeah going to what you're saying romans 117 says for for uh And if
2: righteous God is revealed from faith to
1: faith, as is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Right. Right. That's talking about what you're talking about faith to faith.
0: Absolutely. Any others? Thank you all so much.